you know, focus, look at yourself because every single one of you out there listening has a lot to offer. You know, you, you know, you, sometimes you don't see it that way, but you really do. And, and so you got to look at every single little advantage that you can use and you can t- turn those little advantages into to big advantages, right? Uh, that could be your competitive advantage, you know, uh, ultimately, but um, there's a value that you can, you can add uh, definitely. You just got to dig a little, little deeper sometimes and just sometimes they're, they're right in front of you. You just look right past them, you know? Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota. And they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospects. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexammer. With me today, I'm excited to have Juan Vargas. How are you doing today? Hey, uh, Todd, you know, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'm... I'm excited. I'm excited. So, so let's, let's uh, get it rolling. All right. Well, appreciate you coming on and you are with Gen Wealth Capital Group. Uh, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more about your background, kind of what you're doing today and what uh, your company is all about? Yeah. Yeah. So my background has actually nothing to do with real estate. Um, my, my professional background, I guess, you know, at least, um, I was with BMW on the service side. I was with BMW. I did that for several years. Um, but just like any other job, you, you become good at what you do. Um, and, you know, that's both a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing, um, you know, because it's a skill set position. The better you become at it, the, the more uh, tied you are to it, right? So uh, for me, you know, I have three boys. And, and so, you know, I wanted to spend more time with them, but, you know, being at W2 job, you know, it just really, really was tough for me to be able to spend those extra times and, uh, you know, with them. Um, so I started looking to different ways to, to kind of, you know, expand and, and, you know, create a passive income stream. And, um, and, and real estate was one of those things that kept popping up for me, you know, real estate, real estate, real estate. Um, and then, uh, shortly after that, um, you know, I got a couple single family homes. Um, and then I was vacant on one of my houses and that's when I had the the big aha moment, you know, because I had to pay for the expenses. I had to pay for the mortgage, the utilities and all that good stuff. And, you know, I came to realize at that moment that, hey, it's it's one house. So it's one tenant. So therefore, if that one tenant leaves, then I'm 100% vacant, you know, and then I kind of, you know, compared that to like multifamily, man, just having a team unit and one guy down, I'm still 90% occupied, you know. So that was like my, my, my trigger moment, my, my moment where I was like, you know what, I think this multifamily thing is, is really where I want to go to um, instead of doing the single family like this whole time, you know. And, and that's when I, you know, uh, looked into uh, multifamily, you know, shortly after that. Yeah. And uh, that was in 2016 when I acquired my, my first multifamily property. Okay. And what kind of, you know, what kind of multifamily are you, were you buying in 2016? 
Um, so th that was my, my first one. So I had, you know, a couple of single family houses. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was involved, you know, in real estate for, for actually several years, you know, through my dad, because my dad had rental houses, but my dad always kind of did things the wrong way. He was always the guy that, you know, the, the guy that purchased the house, but he was also the guy that was underneath the, the sink, you know, doing the plumbing repairs and, and all that. Yep. Um, and so he did it all, which was, you know, it was good for, to, to learn, you know, to, to get your hands dirty and all those, those kind of things, but it's, it's hard to, to scale that, right. It's, it's very hard to scale it. And, um, you know, and, and for me, you know, um, I wanted to have a little bit more scalability, you know, that's why, you know, multifamily was my way, uh, to do that. Okay. What, uh, so, so right now you're in multifamily, are you doing mid-sized buildings, large buildings, uh, really large buildings? What kind of business model do you guys have right now? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> after that 32 unit, um, you know, we decided to start looking at, at larger buildings. Um, you know, the, I think the smaller ones are, are good buildings. Um, the, the downside is that, you know, if, you know, you can have a lot of your eggs in that one basket, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, uh, for me, uh, in, in my opinion, it was better to kind of do a little bit more diversification, uh, you know, take some of that capital and, and you know, have it in different, you know, larger size deals. And so the deals that, that we look for are more like in the 150 unit and above range, um, you know, something, you know, 10 million and above uh, acquisition price is kind of what we look for. Um, you know, in markets, you know, that are, you know, primary markets, you know, uh, like, like Texas markets. So Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio are the markets that we, we try to target. <clears throat> uh, we also have a property right now that's, uh, that's not in one of those markets. It's, it's in Phoenix, Arizona. It's the property that we have under contract uh, that uh, that's uh, 200 plus units. So we, we try to, you know, focus on the, on the little bit larger, I would say like the midsize type of uh, assets, you know? Cool. And are, are you guys, uh, but how, how are you getting capital? Are you syndicating those or what are you, what are you doing to bring in the money? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So we are uh, syndicators. So we do, you know, pull the money together and bring in investors. You know, obviously you have um, you know, your, your lender, you know, they're bringing 70 to 80% of the capital and we're bringing the, the, the equity, which is the other 20 to 30%. Um, and so, so yeah, these are syndicated properties. Uh, the, the very first 32 unit that I did originally, that was uh, more of a, myself and a partner. Um, we didn't bring any, any, uh, investors into that one, but, but yeah, all these larger ones, you know, yeah, we, we syndicate these. And are you still with BMW or are you no longer with them? Yeah. Yeah. So I, it was a tough decision for me, but I ended up leaving, you know, um, it was a decision to where, you know, it, it, it I enjoyed what I did. I really did. You know, it, it was, it was fun, uh, great group of guys, but at the same time, uh, my, I guess my thought process then was, Hey, you know, these guys, I try to get these guys like involved in real estate, you know, like, Hey, I've tried to give them like, and tell them about the benefits that there are with real estate or, or just creating their own business, you know, or something like that. Right. Uh, but they were, were so like deep focused on just kind of focusing on that only and being there. And, and so that was one of those things where, you know, it's, it really is true. Like the five people that you hang around the most with, you know, that those kind of thoughts kind of started going throughout my, throughout my head and my mind. And, you know, those guys, you know, they were content being there. And if I, if I was going to stay there, then I was most likely going to be there too, you know, five years you know, down the road, 10 years down the road. Um, so that was one of the reasons, but also because, you know, this business requires a lot of your time, right? It requires a lot of time. And, yeah. and so like when you're calling brokers, when you were calling your, your having calls with a property manager, which I'll be having, 
a call here like in an, an hour, uh, you know, to talk about one of the properties, you know, how things are going. But whenever you're, you're, you're talking to these, they're not available after five. You know, whenever you have your, your W-2 job, you're, you're available after five or six. And, um, but they're not available, you know. And, and so it's one of those things like, you know, I had a, for me, it was, it was a right decision because it was easier for me to, to, to focus on this and to make it grow, allow it to grow, right? So that was my decision there. Especially when you're in the middle of like a, uh, an acquisition. I mean, that's like, holy cow, having a part or having a full-time job, that's difficult to be in the middle of a big acquisition that you're doing a, you know, a large capital raise on and all that kind of stuff. And then be doing a full-time job. I can't imagine doing that. It, it, it is. You're right. I mean, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it, it definitely can be accomplished. So it, like if you're listening out there and you want to do your, your own deal while you're working your, your W2 job, or you want to um, be part of a deal, then th that's definitely achievable. Like, for sure. There's people that have done it and they, they continue their W2 job and, you know, they, they're hustlers on, like on the side, right? So they, they make it happen, right? And so, so I don't want to like tell anybody out there or make you guys believe that it's, it's not achievable because it, it totally is 100%. But at the same time, it, it just becomes easier, um, you know, to focus on those things, you know, because you're, you're, you're doing those things. You're raising capital. You're, you're dealing with the lender. You're dealing with the, the property manager, um, the title company. You're dealing with all these different things on the acquisition side then you know the operational side is, is totally different because you know it still requires your time uh but um you know yeah you just got to see what, what is best for you what, what is best for your your situation yeah and, and you know i i, I appreciate you saying that and one, one of the things i think is if you got the full-time job or um you know another business and you're trying to do this and it, it is a lot of work like you just said but one of the benefits of having that is it helps you create a lot of systems. If, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to create some systems and processes. You're going to have to get your efficiency down uh, and you're likely going to have to bring other people in, whether it's partners or, you know, team members and all that is actually positives in the end. It really helps you think about the business as a whole. So actually starting with a full-time job uh, is not necessarily a bad thing. No, no, it's not. And, I mean, if you think about it, um, I just had a conversation like with a dentist this past weekend. So I, so I hold a, a, I mean, have a meetup, right? I host a meetup. Um, so my meetup was this past Saturday and, you know, she was, you know, talking about uh, how she was on, on a plane ride, you know, and she was listening to uh, Robert Kiyosaki's like wrist ad uh, radio show, like uh, on, on it's a podcast, right? So he, she was listening to that and then, and then, you know, Robert was calling out like the, the dentists and the doctors and how they, they're, they're you know, self-employed pretty much and that they, their business, they are their business, right? They require a lot of their time. Yeah. So yeah. she took that to heart. She was like, man, he's talking to me. He's talking directly to me, you know? And then, so she was telling me that story, but then, you know, we also talked about the fact that, hey, you know, you're, you're the fact that you went to school, you spent all, all that time and then you have a career and, and you, you're doing that. Is, is the reason why you have the ability to invest in, in several deals uh, because it's giving you the capital, right, to, to be able to, the flexibility to be able to do that. Because the reality is, I mean, this business requires capital, right? Is that, you know, single family where you can do some, you know, no money down type of deals. Now, now you know, there are some instances even in multifamily where, you know, you can be creative and maybe do a 10% or you know, maybe the seller will carry back, you know, a portion of the loan. There, there's definitely instances like that, but it, it's, there are fewer and, and uh, fewer instances where, they, where you come across that, right? But hey, going back to the story, she, she was just, you know, at the same time grateful that she had her W-2 job. 
um, where she had enough capital to be able to invest in some deals and also, you know, KP on some deals and be a general partner, right? Uh, so it's, it's definitely, uh, as I said, you know, you got to look at it from, from your viewpoint and see what's best, you know? Yeah. And it, you know, good point. I mean, a lot of, and I talked to a lot of people that actually like their job. They, they like what they do. They don't want to quit their job, especially as a lot of my past investors, there's still other ways to get involved. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job just to get involved. So there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, but like you said, it takes a lot of money. It's a capital intensive business and, and people, I hear people ask me all the time, they want to put this 150 unit con under contract, like what you buy. And uh, they, they don't have any money and they, they're wondering how they can do it. Um, and they're always want to do it on their own, you know, and they're assuming they can just raise the money and not put any money down when reality is uh, it takes a lot of money just up front. I mean, you've got your earnest money, you've got your due diligence money and in order to get a loan, you have to have money. You have to that's, have a bank account. That's uh, that's the reality, and, and that's why your your job, um, you know, that's where it comes in. That's where it is is very important to to um, if you you know if you are starting out, I think it's, it's very important for you to keep your job until you for sure know that you can you know leave and you're you're ready to go. You you you're you're gonna know when the right time is for you. Uh, but you're right, you know, it, it definitely is a capital intensive um, you know business. You know, from earnest money to you know lender fees, application fees, you know um, everything. You know, capex. I mean, there's everything. You know, so it definitely does take a lot of capex, uh, a lot of capital to uh, to put these deals together. So take me through this uh, this kind of mind shift because you were a W two, you're uh, enjoying your job. Take me through the mind shift. Why why did you decide uh, to start buying these rental properties? And ultimately, when you quit your job, like just kind of take me through that process. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, for for me, it was you know I wanted to have more time for for my for my family, right? So you know that's why you know real estate even even you know popped into my head in the first place, right? Um, you know I thought about what my dad did. He was in real estate and it went well for him. And so then for me, I was like, you know what? Let, let me do what he's doing. Um, and but uh, just don't do everything myself like he was doing, right? Um. And, you know, during that process, uh, you know, I, I acquired my 32 unit uh, shortly after those, uh, those couple of houses. And, you know, even then I still had my W2 job. Um, but it wasn't until I started to acquire more properties that I felt that, hey, maybe this is a good time for me to make a jump. And, and you know, to be honest with you, um, you know, I wasn't at, at I hadn't replaced my income entirely at that point, you know. Um, I was maybe, you know, 50 to 60% um, there, you know, uh, but, but it, it was more because, um, you know, I felt that I could, um, it was a good opportunity for me to, to, to focus on the business instead of, you know, being there, uh, to where, Hey, you know, I felt that I was going to be, you know, stepping over, over dimes to pick up nickels or however that phrase is, you know, stepping over dollars to pick up nickels. Um, and, and so that, that was, you know, my mindset, I guess at that, at that point. And also, as I said earlier, you know, it's, it's the people that you're with, right. You know, in, in this space, I think the majority of the people are, 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 you know, they, they think, you know, kind of the same, right. They, you yeah. know, we're, we, we, we think, we think big, we, we think, you know, you know, huge and we're able to help each other out. We're always, you know, uh, lending, you know, our arm out and extending our arm out to help each other out. And, and, uh, that type of business, you know, you're an employee and it's a totally different mindset, you know, and, 
um, you know, for me, I just wanted to get out of that, you know, and, and it was kind of dragging me down at, at the same time, even though I, I love what I did and I enjoyed, I, I wouldn't say I loved it, but I enjoyed what I did. It's, it's a totally different mindset, you know, with the, because of the people that you're around, you know? And so, um, yeah, those, those combination of things, you know, and just, just be able to grow it and um, be able to spend more time with the, with the family is, is the, really the, the main trigger point of it all, you know? And so did you go from your 32 unit to then doing a syndication? Was that, was that the next step? So I actually, I, my very uh, second deal after that was through, uh, it was a passive investment deal, right? Okay. It was a passive investment deal. And I, I had uh, an IRA and I was like, you know what, let me, let me, let me see what this passive investing is. That's sure. when I started to learn about that. Right. Um, and I was like, you know, let me see what this is about. Um, I'll put this, you know, IRA to work and, you know, let me check it out. And so, so I did that. Right. So that was actually a deal that, um, you know, I put in the, the capital. It was a refi about, uh, I would say 14 months later was a refi. We got 84% of the capital back, you know, stayed in the deal, same uh, percentage of equity. Uh, yeah. So it ended up being a, like a really, really good deal, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, after that second deal, um, it was a, uh, a 265 unit uh, that, uh, you know, I was a co-sponsor on, um, and, uh, you know, GP, we, we invest, you know, money into our own deals as well. Um, so, and then, you know, I did, uh, two other passive deals and, and, um, and then two other syndicated deals and then another passive. So it's just been four altogether. There's been four passives, four GPs, uh, not including the, the 32 unit, uh, deal that, uh, um, that I first started with. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, so let, let's talk about some of the business side and, and where you've been successful. Maybe give us some advice, maybe three, three key things that you've found allow you to run your business successfully. Yeah. So I would say first and foremost, um, you know, you're going to hear this a lot, but, it, but it's, it's the reason why you're going to hear it a lot is because it's so true is, is teams, right? Um, you know, if you, you cannot do this business, without a strong team. You just cannot. If you think you're going to do it yourself, um, then yeah, it's, it's achievable, but you're not going to go very far, you know? And there's this quote that says, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, um, go together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I believe in that, you know, and, and having a team is, is to me is, is, uh, is very crucial and, and critical, right? So throwing um, yourself around guys that, that are, that bring that, that complement your skill sets. Right. So that's number one. And, and I guess another thing is, um, is to make sure to have, uh, you know, systems in place where like, like, you know, if you're going to be running a business like this and you're going to have some sort of like CRM, uh, to where you can, you know, track your database, um, you know, those kind of things, right. Have a CRM, have, um, a, a system to where, you know, who your investors are, who, um, when you communicate with people, you know, the last time you did something, you know, just those kind of things, right? CRM. Um, I, I would say a, a third thing, a third thing, uh, apart from that is, um, let me see what else. A third thing apart from that is, is yeah, you know, have, have a good uh, investor database as well, you know, and that's, you know, uh, being able to, uh, to have, a presence out there in the space, you know, like for myself, I have a meetup, you know, and that allows me to uh, meet a lot of, a lot of new people. Um, and, you know, 
I have a podcast, you know, kind of like, you know, like yours, uh, Todd. And so that also allows me to connect with people. So I think you have to have some kind of, uh, you know, thought leadership platform, you know, that's through a, a meetup or, or, you know, get out there and, and do a, a speaking event. Um, you're having a conference here coming up in September, you know, uh, you know, if you were somebody that, that want that really wanted to kind of like lift yourself up a little bit and, you know, maybe you know, reach out to somebody like Todd and, hey, you know, maybe have uh, a speaking opportunity, you know, on his, in his conference, you know, that kind of lifts you up a little bit where people, they go up to you and see you as a, as a thought leader, so to speak. Uh, but you have to, you know, get involved in those kind of things. And it all takes uh, getting out of your comfort zone and, and putting yourself out there, you know. Uh, but uh, something like to where Todd is doing, like as I said, with his conference, I think that's that's really, really big. That's huge. Um, so one of the things that I'm doing as well is, you know, I have an English-speaking podcast, but I'm also fluent in Spanish. You know, so I'm, I'm also launching one that will be launching this week. I've been saying that's going to launch this week, this week, but this week is, is really the week that's going to happen. Um, it's, it's in Spanish, right? So I'm doing it with with another buddy of mine. And we're going to be doing it on, on commercial real estate. It's going to be also uh, with a with a focus on in, in multifamily, but it's going to be all in Spanish. So every single guest that we interview is going to be, they're going to be speaking in Spanish. Every professional that we interview is going to be Spanish. Um, and so this allows us to, to, to target like the Hispanic demographic, the Latin community. Um, and, you know, it, it allows us to build a you know, better connection with those guys. So if you are listening to the podcast and, you know, maybe you, you're, I don't know, you, you speak, um, I don't know, uh, some kind of European language or, you know, you know, Japanese or whatever. If you're good at that, right, um, and, and you're fluent at, you know, in your language, then I think it'll be a good idea to, to, you know, maybe create some kind of thought leadership platform and, you know, maybe you know, target your, your community, right? You're, you're Indian, you speak, you know, you speak your language, you know, to do that, you know, do those kind of things, you know. I think it's huge. And, and there's, a, there's, a big, uh, there's a big holder, you know. There's not a lot of... Uh, um, you know, there's a lot in English, but there's not a lot of it in other languages, I would say. Yeah. So um, find, find the, find the gaps, you know, find what's missing and fill those gaps figure out your niche. I mean, you've got a, a unique, you know, ability to be able to speak both English and Spanish fluently. Um, you know, there's, there are others that can do that, but, um, I, my guess is in the multifamily world and your, you know, your specialty, that's a really small percentage of people that can do that and speak uh, fluently in, in both languages. So you've got something that you can give to people that really want it. Same thing with people that can speak really any other language. Right. Um, and I tell females this all the time is, is females. It's like, you look, You've got some disadvantages because you're, you're female. Some males just won't take you as serious. But you also have some major advantages. And the major, one of the biggest advantages you have is that you're a female and you can talk to other females and they feel way more comfortable that, with you. Uh, they can connect with you just because they're female. You'll be able to connect to Spanish speaking people because you speak fluent Spanish and it's just that much more powerful. So fill the gaps where you can. I think that it was uh, very well put. Um, yeah. I, and I want to, I want to add one thing that you said about the, uh, about woman, right? Woman in, in the space, you know, uh, one thing that, uh, that we didn't really cover on that is, you know, I, I'm going to ask you this, Todd. I'm going to ask you, 
Um, so whenever like the biggest decisions in the house, who has the ultimate say in those decisions? Is it, is it you or is it your wife? I can't say that. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> so, so a lot of times, right. It's, it's a, it's a combination of two, right. Yeah. But then you kind of lean towards like, Hey, the, the wife is, is the, the one that kind of, you know, we'll call the ultimate shot. Right. She's like, yeah. okay, we'll do this. Or you're, you're paying on vacation. It's like, I want to go here. And then she's like, no, I want to go there. Okay. Well, let's go there. Right. So yeah. they, they ultimately have the, the last say in, in a lot of the cases. Right. So it's the same thing. Like if you're, if you're a woman in the space, you know, you can definitely influence other women and then they can influence their husbands, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, maybe we do this multifamily thing. Why, why, why should we do it? Well, because it is because of the, here are the benefits, like because of this and because of that. So I think women are powerful and they, they can influence, you know, yep. not only other women, but, but, but their husbands as well, you know? Well, and a lot of men, um, and this is, of course, everything we're saying is generalizing, but a, a lot of men will, if their wife is on board, they're on board. Like yes. they, they maybe have already thought about, you know, some, something like real estate, but maybe they either didn't bring it up or whatever. They're just nervous about it or whatever. But if their wife says, Hey, let's do this. They're, they're on board. They're like, well, yeah, that sounds great. So I think a lot of men, if their wife is on board with something or if their wife is pushing something, they're going to say, yeah, I think that sounds great. Um, and it's just, again, it's a very small percentage. If you look at the female multifamily uh, investors that are doing syndication, it's a very small percentage of uh, female multifamily you know, syndicators out there. Now, if you're a female multifamily syndicator that can speak Chinese or Spanish or something like that, you got to, you know, <laughs> you got to really figure that out and, and make sure you're speaking to those people. It's speaking to people that really want to hear your message. And, that, and that's what you've got to be able to do. Yeah, you're right. I think everybody out there uh, that's listening, um, you really just, just, you know, focus, look at yourself because every single one of you out there listening has a lot to offer. You know, you, you know, you sometimes you don't see it that way, but you mm. really do. And, and so you got to look at every single little advantage that you can use and you can t turn those little advantages into to big advantages, right? Uh, that could be your competitive advantage, you know, uh, ultimately, but um, there's a value that you can, you can add. Uh, definitely. You just got to dig a little, little deeper sometimes. And just sometimes they're, they're right in front of you. You just look right past them, you know? Yeah. And, and I think a, a lot of people let fear hold them back. And, and one thing that I, as I'm listening to what you say, you know, you had a couple single families that you went out and bought a 32 unit building. And you pushed beyond the the limitations of these single family houses. And then from there, yeah, you, you did a passive investment. So it was a great way then to get involved. And then from there, you went and co-sponsored a deal. You found a partner. So your limitation there was, look, I haven't bought a 150, 200, whatever size, 262 or something like that you said. Uh, I haven't bought a big building like this before. So what am I going to do? How can I buy it? And what you did is you found somebody else to partner with to create a win-win there. And now you're able to come in and now you've got experience. So you're able to figure out how to get experience quickly and set yourself apart from the other people who want to do it, but just aren't doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I would say as well, 
you know, one of, one of the re reasons why I did that passive deal, um, you know, first of all, you know, I did my 32 unit without knowing anything about syndication, right? Mm -hmm. I, I read a couple of books and then I was like, okay, you know, this is enough. Let me, let me go you know, put this to action. Right. So that was like my thought process then, um, you know, and then, you know, the passive deal was like, Hey, let's, you know, I just learned about this syndication model. Let me see what this is about. And, and that was my, my passive deal. But, but it was also because I wanted, I knew that I wanted to um, ultimately, you know, do my own deals. So yeah. I used that as an education for myself. So yes, yeah. I invested in the deal, right? Uh, but it allowed me to, uh, to learn how these guys operate the deal, you know, what kind of, kind of uh, renovations they're doing, how are their, their finances looking, why are they doing some certain decisions and why not others, you know, so it allowed me to take a, a peek behind the scenes, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm getting a return, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, I'm getting tax advantages. So it was like, okay, this is a plus and this is a plus. And the reason why I did it is because I can't invest in my own deals anyway through my IRA. Not saying that, you know, you should only do it if you're, you have an IRA, but, you know, that was some of the reasons why I did that. And then and that kind of led into the, the next steps, right? But I think, you know, investing passively is definitely a good opportunity for, for people to, to kind of get take, take the next step, you know, yep. what we do. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree. I've got quite a few uh, investors in every single deal and that are passive, but the reason they're passive is to, to become active. And they just want to kind of get their feet wet. They want to see how a deal's done. And, and they use my deals, uh, basically in education, um, which I think is, is a great idea. Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building it by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. I want to invite you to join us at the North Star Real Estate Conference. This conference is September 20 and 21st in Minneapolis, and it's going to be packed full of a ton of great speakers. We've got uh, just a, a great group of people speaking. You can look at our lineup on our website, nreconference.com, and sign up there as well. We've got an early bird special. All you need to do is type in early bird, one word, and uh, you can get $100 off. And that's good through August 10th. So make sure you sign up now. Take action. Look, people that take action 
and value their education are those who are going to succeed. I know there's a lot of free content. My podcast is free. There's all kinds of free content out there, maybe even free meetups that you're attending. But this conference is going to blow your socks off. This is going to be well worth the price and all the profits go to charity. So it's definitely time to take action. Sign up now. Don't delay because the prices will go up. Um, but you know what? Every time I attend a conference, I 10x. Actually, I would say I more like a thousand x even my investment, a hundred, a thousand, potentially even more x my investment. I've met so many fantastic people. I've met investors at conferences. I've met potential partners at conferences. I've joined mastermind groups because of conferences. So it's a ton of value. You cannot replace it. So check it out, nreconference.com. Thanks a lot. Uh, give us a, a, a mistake that you've made and how have you learned from it? Yeah, so I would say uh, going back to that uh, 32 unit, um, you know, because the other, the other properties are still on like in the whole period. Um, and so I would say that uh, going back to that 32 unit, it was, it was a good property. Uh, you know, I made, made some good returns when, when I sold it. Uh, but that was the the problem, my mistake was that I sold it, right? Mm. And so um, it, it made sense to either sell or refi at that time. Uh, but, but looking back today, if I, if, I had, if I could decide all over again, I would have just kept it because, you know, the truth is I'm involved in, in several other deals now. Um, and, you know, this is via syndication, but this was a property where it was myself and a partner. So it, it was a deal that, hey, we could have, you know, get, get, held on to this property for another 10, 15 years you know, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and so looking back, you know, it was a, it was a, a strong producing property. Uh, we, we sold uh, to be able to get all the eggs out, you know, in you know, the thought process then was, Hey, you know, why do a refi and, you know, still leave 25% of the equity in the deal. Why not just take it all and then kind of, you know, have that velocity of capital. Right. So yep. uh, that, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a mistake because I think it was, it was a win either way. Uh, but I guess, you know, personally, you know, it was, uh, it was more of a, you know, uh, seller's remorse, you know, um, yep. but, uh, you know, th that's going to happen, right? So sometimes you'll get buyer's remorse. Sometimes you'll get seller's remorse. Uh, seller's remorse was uh, the situation for me in this case, you know. Um, would you have refinanced one, it or would you have just kept it and held it? Yeah. So I would have refinanced it because I, I yeah. increased the value so much. I would have yeah. just done, done a refi. Um, and the truth is, you know, at, at uh, my original loan was a bank loan. Um, it only had 20 years. It was amortized over 20 years and, you know, had the opportunity to get a 30 year loan. Mm. Um, and then, you know, in, with some IO, you know, and so maybe a seven or 10 year term, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it just, it just made more sense. Um, it, it made makes sense both ways, but Hey, it is what it is. Um, and so there's nothing I can do about it now, but right. you know, just it's one of those things where like, Hey, if I come across this, this situation again, I'm really going to think hard about it. Right. You know, I'm thinking, I'm going to think about the size of the property. I'm going to think about the location. How far is it from me? Um, if it's, you know, the age of the property, the demographics, there's a lot of things to think about, right. Not just a property, right. Not, not just the structure. There's a lot of pieces that the debt on it, there's a lot of pieces to it, but, but yeah, that's one thing that, that, I, um, I would say that I, I learned. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. And I, I, 
I think more often than not, it's, it's better to keep the property than to sell it unless you are using that sale in 1031 and uh, that into another property, then that might make sense. But um, I would say the majority of the properties I have sold, I look back and go, man, I wish I would have kept that property. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, um, you know, you can see it a different way. You, you know, you can also see it to the, the way we're like, Hey, you know, why not sell it? You know, and then just, just grow into larger and larger properties. Yeah, sure. You can, you can do that. And that was my thought process. Then honestly, that was like, Hey, I can sell this. It's a 32 unit. Um, but I want to get into larger properties. Right. Uh, but the truth is, as I said, you know, the biggest thing on, on that one, the biggest advantage on that one was that it was myself and a partner, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it wasn't like a syndicated deal to where we had, you know, many investors also involved, you know, we could have kept it and then and, and improved it more. And, you know, the truth is also that the value goes up over time, you know, the value yeah. is going to, it might, it might take a little dip, you know, down, but over time they, they tend to go up all the time, all the time. And so who knows, you know, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. So I'm just, for me, I just gotta, gotta bite the bullet and just move on, you know? Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Um, for someone who's trying to get to that next level, um, you know, get to where you're at, uh, what does it take to get there? Um, education. Um, I would say education. Um, know what, what it is that you're doing. Know, know what it is that you want. Uh, you know, you can't, um, you cannot over educate yourself either. Right. So uh, this say education, but you cannot over educate yourself either. You have to eventually take action. Um, on what it is that you want. Um, the second thing I said was focus. You got to make sure that you focus because there's so many different asset classes in real estate, uh, so many different uh, opportunities. Focus on one thing, man. If you like multifamily, go with multifamily. If you like mobile homes, go with mobile homes. Now, once you kind of master it, then if you want to, you know, maybe partner with somebody else, then you can do that. So for me, multifamily is my thing. If I want to get into mobile home parks, which I like, I think mobile home parks are, are a great asset class. If I want to get into that, then I'm going to find the guy that's a pro at what he does. And then I'll, I'll you know, put in money with him or I'll find an opportunity and partner with him. And he's going to be like the main guy that kind of oversees the, the yeah. operation. That, that's my thought process. That's my opinion. Um, Especially in a market be, like this where, where yeah. things are tight and, you know, there's not a big learning curve right now when, when it's, you know, when it's 2008, 2009, 10, 11, there was a big learning curve. You're allowed to make mistakes, but today you're not really allowed to make many mistakes. You, you are not, you're, you're right. You're uh, right on. I mean, in today's market, you know, uh, the, with the way things are, it's, it's very heated. Uh, you know, real estate is the hot thing right now. Um, but that's also a bad thing, right? So if you're buying yeah. right now, guess what? You're buying at the high, right? Yeah. So you're not buying at the bottom, right? So you have to be really strategic in how you are going to be, uh, moving forward, right? And mm -hmm. one of the things that, that I that I heard uh, from a good friend of mine, he's a uh, he's he operates about thirty five hundred units here in Houston. I, I live in Houston, uh, here in Houston, and one of the things that he he talks about is, man, um, he was he was in the market like before the downturn, and and he he's in Houston. He said that he he would rather be in Houston because Houston had his little downturns with, uh, you know, the oil, you know, taking a hit. And also because of the, the hurricane, a couple of hurricanes that we had, he said he'd rather be an operator in Houston during those times uh, because it, 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 it brings the best out of you because you, there's no choice to, that you have but to improve upon your skill sets and improve and, and try to make the, the property go in the right direction again. And if you're in a market that's always been good, say, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth or, you know, uh, 
um, you know, one of those type of markets that's been on the up all these years, then the market kind of allows you to, um, it kind of forgives you a little bit for some of the mistakes yeah. that you can make, right? Um, in a Houston market, it, it's, you have to really have your, your, your sleeves rolled up and, and, and get, get ready to swing, right? You have to, you have to take those punches and punch back. Yep. Yeah. And, and eventually when that market, when a Dallas-Fort Worth market does go down, there's going to be a lot of people that just aren't prepared where in Houston, yeah, they, they've been prepared. They've rolled their sleeves up. They understand it. They get it. Is that kind of the thought there? Yeah, th- th- that's his thought process. I mean, it, it's, it's mainly that he's become a better operator because of yeah. it. You know, he's been become a better operator. So whenever we do have a, another recession, because that's inevitable, we don't know when it's going to happen or how bad it's going to be. It's going to happen. Um, he's going to be a, a better prepared with the team uh, mentally. He's going to know what to do. Um, and it's going to help him, you know, in his business moving forward. Right. So it's, it just, the, the big, the big overall uh, takeaway is that he's become a better operator because of it. Is there anything that you are doing right now, knowing that a recession is eventually going to happen. We don't know when, but eventually going to happen. Is there anything you're doing uh, right now with your properties, with your business, uh, to, with your investors to kind of prepare for it? Yeah. So, I mean, you hear this a lot as well as, you know, make sure that you have the proper financing in, in, in place. I think that's, that's crucial. I mean, if, if you're getting a five-year, even a seven-year term, I think that you're, you're, you're playing with fire there. I think you got to make sure that you are, you know, in the 10 to 12 year range for, for a, a, a term. Um, and if you don't do that, then, you know, it can, it can go bad. Right. So uh, make sure you do that for sure. Um, is one, one of the biggest things. Um, everybody talks about being conservative. That's the other thing, you know, you can say that, that uh, you know, there's no operator out there that doesn't say that their deal is conservative. Everybody's going to say that they're conservative, but you got to really look at the historicals. How was it? whenever it was bad back in 08, 09, 2010, what was the worst that happened then? Right. And kind of model your uh, projections and kind of, kind of like compare them. Right. So what if I, what if I, it, it shows a seven cap, you know, back in 09, you know, and, and today these, these caps are at five. And what if I do project a seven cap on my exit, what happens to my returns? So look at the, look at the worst case scenario and then, you know, try to model it that way. Right. So, that's kind of the, the way we, we, we try to do things, you know, look at the worst case scenario and if it makes sense, it makes sense. And then you pull the trigger, right? If it doesn't, then, um, then maybe you shouldn't move forward. I'm so glad you just said that because uh, there's so many people that say they're conservative. And then I see just these crazy numbers and I'm going, this is the least conservative underwriting I've ever seen, but historicals, man, just it's, that's, it's as simple as that. Understand where these properties have been, where the markets have been, and know that they could go back to that level. And if the deal still works at that level, then the deal likely works. But if yeah. you're not basing it on on what's happened, what can happen, then you're not being conservative. I don't care what you say. I see people modeling all kinds of stuff. And I just scratch my head on it and but what you just said there, that's being conservative, basing it on historicals, understanding where the market has been and where it could go. And you're, sure, think, sure. and you're thinking about it. I mean, that's the best thing is you're putting real thought into it. So I, I appreciate you saying that 100%. Yeah, and just to add to another quick point on that, you know, we have a deal that's uh, <clears throat> under contract in Phoenix, right? Phoenix 
the last few years has been having some crazy rent growth. I mean, like, you know, it's right there neck and neck with Las Vegas as one of the highest rent growth year yeah. over year, you know, for the last couple yeah. of years. Um, you know, and so you'll see five, six, seven percent rent growth. Will that continue for the next couple of years? I mean, it could. Most likely it will. You, you just never know, right? But it can also go down, right? It can also go severely down. Um, so for our deal that we have there, we modeled a 2% uh, rent growth. Nice. That's another thing that you have to look at the historicals. What's the historical rental growth year over year? Um, and, you know, are you, are you capable of uh, continuing that? You know, so we modeled for a 2% rent growth, even though everything else is showing 5 6 7%. And we still wanted to be more on the conservative side. The numbers still work. The cap rate still works. Okay. Uh, our, the other thing I want to say on that is – Always, well, this is my, my thing. This is what I look for, right? So I'm a passive investor. I'm also a general partner. So one of the things that I look for is, is let's say you have a, a 100% return in five years. So typically these, these syndicated deals are five-year hold, right? Typically, right? Some are a little bit longer, so it could be a little bit shorter, five years. So if, if I tell you that I, there's a 100% return that you can get back in five years, um, I mean, that's, that's good. That's a fair. That means you're doubling your money in five years, right? <clears throat> but if I go deeper into that and I tell you, hey, uh, the out of the cash flow, you're going to get about 20 to 25%. And then on the capital gains, you're going to get the, the, the other, you know, 75 to 80%. That, that's speculation to me because that is telling me that you are, you know, counting on the end, you know, which you do not know, you know, the only yeah. the market determines that. So for me, you know, whenever I look at deals um, or I'm, I'm modeling my own deals, you know, I try to make sure that, hey, it's, it's a balance, right? It's a little bit more of a balance where, to where it's, it's more 50-50, you know, where 50% of, uh, is coming from cash flow and then 50% is coming from the capital gains at the end, right? So that's, that's a, a more safe investment to me. Uh, that's something where you can project it. It's easier to, to know because it's easier to deal with day-to-day -day operations, monthly operations versus putting all your eggs in the basket at the end of five years and, and hoping for the best, you know? So, um that's another thing I would say is, you know, a lot of deals that you see out there, they're, they're not like that. You know, they're, they're counting so much on the, on the back end and, and, and the front end is, it's so very thin, you know? Yeah. That's, that's another, that's very excellent. So listeners, uh, you know, make sure that property cash flows, if you're counting on the appreciation in order to hit your returns, you're speculating and you're no longer necessarily investing. You're a speculator, and there's a lot of things that can change throughout the course of five years, seven years, whatever that projection in is. And if it's 75% of your success is determined on that appreciation, then it's not a necessarily a real estate uh, cash flowing investment that we tend to think of. It's a speculation. And that is uh, a lot higher risk than if, you know, as Juan said, is you've got 50%, maybe even more uh, is based on the cash flow. Now you're at a lot lower risk. We're, we're basing it on do the numbers work. And here's the thing. If the cash flow works and you've got a, a hold and we hit a recession, you can keep on holding through that recession and your numbers still work out, right? We still have cash flow, And that's, that's a beautiful thing. I agree. You're, you're right. I, I agree. That's so very important for, for you to focus on, on, on cash flow versus speculation. 
<laughs> yeah. It's speculation because yep. that's what it is. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with the market. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. I got a couple more questions to ask you before we wrap up. First of all, what's a favorite book, Biz- business or real estate? Favorite book. I mean, I, I think the, the classics, um, you know, you're going to hear this all the time, but like uh race that is a good one. Uh, it's a classic, but you know, out of those two, uh, that one is, is a good one. But one of my favorite ones out of his is the, the cash flow quadrant. Uh, that was, uh, that was when, when I kind of, you know, the, the rich that poor was like an eye opener for me, but then the cash flow quadrant was like, ah, everything makes sense right here, you know? And, um, that was one of my favorite books. Uh, but, um, yeah, as far as, uh, business books, I just got finished, uh, with a book, um, that was called uh, the everything store. That was, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, story. And it was his uh, Amazon story, obviously, hmm. um, just how he got started and, um, just how resilient this guy is, um, and how he, you know, he, he's, he's so focused, you know, on, on what he does. And I, I, th- I thought that was a really good book. Uh, the everything store, another good one was, um, um, shoe dog, uh, same similar, same similar, similar situation, uh, with Phil Knight and, uh, the founding of Nike, you know, and these guys are, they just do not back down, you know, whatever gets in front of them, they just keep pushing. I just found those good, uh, those books really, really good, you know, that are not the, the classic ones that we hear every single day, you know? Cool. Um, how do you like to give back? Yeah. So, um, we attend church. Uh, we volunteer there at church. Um, you know, part of the, uh, the church, you know, they're here, a uh, local community there. Um, and so, you know, that's really the, the, the biggest way that, that we try to get back is, uh, by, by being involved in that and, um, you know, every way we can. And, and also, you know, people that reach out to me all the time, you know, through, uh, for, for real estate, any questions, you know, I always set aside some time to, to help out, you know, and, and one of the things that I heard, you know, one time is we always have one arm up, you know, to, to ask for help. We do. And then we always have one arm down to help others and reach down to, to bring them up. And so, you know, I'm in that situation where I'm always, you know, you know, asking, you know, for help. And, but then the people yeah. that, are, that are like, maybe don't have that much experience. I'll always, you know, take some time to help those guys out because, you know, to me it's, it's karma as well. You know, if I can yeah. help these guys out, then maybe somebody else can help me, you know, if I have a question or something, you know? Um, so just, just those kind of things. And, and every, every week, I mean, it's not uncommon for me to spend a few hours, you know, just, just on a phone call, just going through that, you know, and you know, I don't, I don't charge anything, you know? So, uh, but, but yeah, those kind of things, I mean, it's just, um, that's what we can do um, at this moment, but we want to definitely be a little bit more involved, you know, here in the future. Cool. Awesome. Um, last question is what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Um, as far as, um, like technically or, or which, how do you, how do you, you can answer that however you want see, I don't prepare any of my guests for this one. So, so a lot of them are a, a little stumped, but, uh, you can, you can say technically, or you can say, uh, you know, mindset wise or however you want, or what does it take? You know, so three pillars yeah. of wealth creation. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think that, you know, everything you do has to be for, um, you know, you, if you have a family, I think, you know, for me personally, it's, it's family, everything's, you know, revolves around my family. Right. So everything revolves around that. Um, and then, you know, it's also in addition to that is I would say time, you know, time is, is a big one, you know, it's important. Um, you know, time is wealth, right? So, uh, the, the more that you can, you know, get back, you know, then that's wealth to me. Right. 
Um, but then I would say that, uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, never stop learning, you know, um, you know, keep, keep learning all the time, you know, and, you know, I've heard that many times and, and I used to think is like, ah, eh, whatever, you know, this is BS, but you no, know, it, it really isn't, man. You, you got to keep learning, keep improving upon yourself. You know, everybody out there can do something to improve, right? So if you're, if you're a dad, you can be a better father, right? You can always be a better father. Don't, you can't tell me that you, you're the best father there is out there. You know, you, you just cannot, there's always something that you can do to improve. If you're, if you're, you're married and you're a husband, you can be a better husband, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, just so many different things. And for me, I can improve upon a lot of different things and, um, you know, just, uh, just being a better person overall, you know? Awesome. Uh, last question for you. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. Yeah. So they can reach out, um, you know, through, uh, email if they like, uh, Juan at genwealthcapital.com. That's Juan at genwealthcapital.com. Um, they can shoot me an email or they can find me on social media as well. I mean, I'm all, all over Facebook and uh, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, any one of those uh, social media platforms, you know, you can just uh, uh, shoot me a message and, uh, you know, free request or whatever, you know, and I'm happy to connect. And Juan, you said you've got a podcast. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Commit to Wealth. Uh, so it's a Commit to Wealth podcast. Um, and yeah, the, the Spanish one for those of you that, that do speak Spanish, or, or, or not, but if you, or if you want to learn Spanish, then you can, you know, check out the, the podcast as well, but it's, it's going to be called, uh, El Cashflow Cafe. So E-L, uh, Cashflow Cafe. So El Cashflow Cafe. So, um, as I said, you know, it's just a good platform for all the, the Spanish, uh, speaking audience out there. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate, uh, appreciate that. And I'll uh, put that on the show notes so the listeners can, uh, get to either of the podcasts and then be able to connect with you as well. Yeah, no, thank you so much, uh, Todd. I really do appreciate your time. Um, hey, I had a lot of fun. You know, it, it was a pleasure to, to be on your show. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I hope you, you uh, keep crushing out there like you're doing. Um, and I wish you continued success, man. Yeah, you as well. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for joining us on the show. Have a fantastic day. A special thanks to Juan Vargas for joining us on the show. I appreciate his time that he's able to add and a lot of great value coming from it from both a passive investor and active investor as well. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of good information from that. Uh, a couple of things I took from the episode. First of all, uh, he talks about building a team uh, and we hear that over and over, building a team. And uh, one thing that uh, he said that I thought was fantastic, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, next thing he talks about is building your investor list and really important. I think a lot of people forget about that, especially early on. Uh, you, you need to be building your investor list all the time, quite frankly, and you're going to go a lot farther uh, with your investors. Again, that's part of your team is your investor list. So if you've got a bunch of deals, you're trying to get deals and you don't have any money to fund them. Well, good luck getting those deals done. Money doesn't just find deals. Money finds the people. So make sure you're that person that's, uh, that's always building their investor list. Uh, and the last thing he talks about is doing it for a purpose, you know, doing it for your family, doing it for uh, whatever that purpose might be, but make sure you've got a purpose that you're doing it for and a drive that you're, you're driving because it's a long road and it might sound like a uh something you can do quick and hey i'm i'm 
motivated and aggressive. And but it's a, it's a long road. There's bumps and bruises along the way. It being an entrepreneur, and if you are going to be successful, you're going to have to have a clear defined purpose, and that's going to really help drive you uh, when those bumps do get uh, pretty big and, and tough. So it does happen. Uh, again, thanks to Juan for joining us on the show. Appreciate his time and uh, a lot of value. Uh, take, uh, I challenge you to take uh, at least one thing from this episode, just one thing, um, and really focus on that in your next week and focus on it and uh, make sure you implement it into your business for the next week or two or three or forever. Um, that's what these podcasts are good for. Uh, you can listen to anybody's podcast, including mine, and get nothing out of it. But make sure that you focus on the podcast and, and getting something concrete out of it. I'm Todd Dexterber. I'm signing off. Make every day a Saturday. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business. And reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.